0: Hello everybody, it's Colin Ellis here, and welcome to another episode, just another episode of the Culture and Coffee podcast for Monday the 12th of June, uh, 2023. It's the, it's the, it's public holiday here in Australia. It's, uh, we got a public holiday in June for the monarch's birthday. but uh, well, it's not actually the king's birthday at all. Uh, the king's birthday is in November. In fact, the queen's birthday wasn't in June either. Queen's birthday was in April. Uh, In typical British fashion, the monarch's birthday is celebrated in June uh, with a trooping of the colour, usually, uh, because the weather's likely to be better. It actually is better at the minute. I spoke to my brother last night and um, up where he is in the north of Scotland, it's going to be 20 degrees, which is, you know, close to a heat wave. Uh, So he'll have his factor 50 on. Um, uh, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But no, I've been looking at the weather in, in the UK uh recently and it looks good yeah so we got to, it, it it's, it's nice and quiet outside uh, for those of you who have listened to the podcast before I like to record it early then like to go out for a run get your exercise done early so hopefully a little bit uh, quieter uh, but not before I've had a coffee and it is a cracker today I bought this last week uh, this coffee I found a, a, a little um coffee shop that I hadn't I, I think I've only ever been to once before in Melbourne. I was doing some uh, co work. Well, I wasn't. I was working in the city in a, a co working space, which I like to do. I've got a space in the house, but it's just nice to get out. And um, yeah, I walked past this. I was like, oh, I haven't been here for a while. It's called Cartel Roasters in the city. And yeah, this coffee. So I um, had some yesterday Sunday. And it was absolutely delicious. Uh, so it is an Abebe A Abebe shonto, That's the coffee grower, and it's from the Yirgacheffe region in Ethiopia. I hope I say that right: Yirgacheffe or Yirgacheffe? I should really look into that. Uh, which is my favourite. Um, these are my favourite coffees, easily by a mile. And it's a birth. Ethiopia is a birthplace of coffee. So the Yirgacheffe region. I think I mentioned this before. There's like a, it's like a tiny zone, the Gedeo zone. In Ethiopia, it's in southern Ethiopia. So if you look at it, if you look at the map of Ethiopia, I always, you know, I always suggest that you should do this. It's nice to know where stuff is from, right? Um, and and you know, coffee uh, roasters are great. They they put some of this stuff on on the um, on the actual packet of beans we buy beans or, or, or however you buy it. So at the, towards the bottom, you'll see a lake, and the lake is Charmo Lake, and it's kind of to the right of that. So it's about a five-hour drive from Kenya, and Kenya's in the south, and it's about seven hours to the capital of Addis Ababa, in the north. Um, so yeah, um, so this is a cracking coffee, which I can't wait to drink. Uh, it, so it's got notes of red berries, raspberries, cherries, blueberries, and dark chocolate. And the dark chocolate thing is the thing that I remember from yesterday. I mean, that's just, it's just so smooth. It's just so delicious. Um, so I get the dark chocolate and the blueberry. It's like, it's like drinking kind of melted dark chocolate with blueberries. It's just, it just doesn't have that sweetness. Now Someone asked me if, if I add the sugar to the coffee, which I don't because... Uh, being British, of course I'm sweet enough. It's one of those classic British sayings. Do you want sugar, love? No, thanks. I'm sweet enough. Um, clearly I'm not. Um, but I don't really, just so I get that smoothness. I will I, I will add sugar if, if it tastes in any way better. Then I will add a little bit of sugar just to sweeten it a little bit. Um, but generally not. So uh, today, our manager's clueless about building team culture. Um, yeah, that's what I'm going to talk about. Uh, the answer is largely yes. It sounds like a criticism. I don't mean it to be a criticism. Of course, a, a negative headline is always going to get more engagement than a positive one. Unfortunately, that's why the news uh, is popular still. That's why people read the news It's to get the negative, um, negative fix. Now, there's a couple of things that I wanted to mention before I start on the podcast. So the link to this particular podcast is a link to another white paper. So... Uh, For those of you who listened to the previous podcast, I released a white paper on how executives and, you know, the executives role in support and culture. And I've also written a second white paper, um, you know, and and the whole concept of a white paper is to get your ideas out. You know, usually there's empirical data that backs up what you're talking about to get your ideas out into the world. And for me, we don't talk enough about managers role in building culture. Um, and so when I say our managers clueless about building team culture, and then I say yes, they are. It's, it's because we don't teach them. It's because we don't teach them. So, so uh, the second white paper was we we kind of put it up on the website today. If you're on the mailing list, you'll 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 get the link in your inbox on Tuesday. Um, but we're also going to put the link to the white paper in the show notes. So if you're not in the mailing list, if you don't follow me on on LinkedIn, um, which is where we usually notify people of these things. It will be in the show notes. So wherever you get your podcast, if it's Apple, if it's Spotify, wherever, if you go to the show notes, you'll get the link to the white paper. It's colindellis.com forward slash culture dash white paper. Also on Thursday of this week, if you're listening to this on Monday, the 12th. On Thursday morning here in Australia, it'll be Wednesday evening for, for the US and UK. Uh, I'm going to be running a webinar that that kind of brings the two white papers together. Now, if you've got any interest in culture, if you've got any interest in developing people, if you've got any interest at all in in building great culture, and you might be a, a senior leader, you might be a you know you might be starting out in your management journey, I'd really urge you to join the podcast. I'm going to I'm going to bring all of this together in a lively, engaging way. I feel like I have to say that like it's not going to be a dull. It's not going to be a dull webinar uh, where I talk like this and I've got a thousand slides like it really won't be. And, you know, I'm known in my webinars for getting distracted by the chat messages, all of the conversation that's going on in the chat. Um, So I'd really urge you to join that um, because I'd love to answer any questions that you've got. But I'm also going to provide um, information just to bring those white papers to life. Now, the link to the, the webinar will also be in the show notes. All right, so it's crowdcast.io forward slash C forward slash HP culture, HP for high-performing culture. But I'll put the link in the show notes. So we'd love you to join. We released it. It was on Thursday last week, and we've only got like 40 people who are are registered. So I'm going to talk about uh, both white papers and the role of both in building a high-performing culture. But today um, on the podcast, I'm talking about um, managers' roles. And I, you know, and I said most managers clueless. And like I said, it sounded like a criticism, but that it's a fact, you know, 20, you know, in, in, in one survey, only 20% of managers said they had the skills to lead teams today, 20%, one in five. And I, I think if. If you asked employees whether this was true if you if you said to employees if you did a an engagement survey and one of the questions was do managers have all the skills necessary to build great culture you probably you probably get that feedback you really will and I, and I think what what employees are looking for now has dramatically shifted in the last ten years now I, and I do mean dramatically shifted you know I spoke to one potential client uh, last week. And they're looking to work on their culture for the first time. And, and, you know, for someone like myself, that's not unusual. I think most organizations have let their cultures grow. They've let them evolve kind of organically. And in those scenarios, the chance of, of a continually vibrant culture is slim. And when you do get there, it's only ever accidentally, you know, you'll hear people say, oh, we're great in a crisis. And so that's when you see that when, when people pull together in that vibrancy, so you know, how one guy says, oh, it'd be great if we could bottle this. It's like, well, we well, can, you can't bottle it. He's like, well, how? I was like, well, firstly, you can, you know, define your culture regularly so that people always understand what it means to be vibrant. But, you know, the second thing you can do is give your managers the skills to be able to do it consistently. And uh, his answer at the time was, what, like a leadership development program? I was like, well, no, not like a leadership development program. You know, the kind of leadership that, you know, leadership is this opportunity to make a positive difference to humans' lives. And yes, one way to do that is through culture. But to actually build a great culture is only one small part of leadership. You know, leadership involves things like vulnerability, humility, discipline, focus, drive, um, a willingness to, to to stay relevant, communication. Now, a, a couple of those things, of course, blend into culture, but culture is really, really practical. And then towards the end of the podcast, I'll, I'll give you a list of these practical things, which I go into in way more detail um, in the white paper. And it's why, you know, I have, a, I, have a, I have a two-day management program just on culture building. It's called Culture First for organizations that want to take a culture-first approach to building culture they they will buy this program and I will train 40 of their managers on how to do it and then you get this consistency anyway I'll get I'll, I'll get to those skills shortly so so the world has changed but people's expectations changed now I've talked about this in in the podcast in the past but it's really important if if you want a high performing culture and and there's a negative connotation sometimes with high performing people people think high performing is is about burnout and you get you get these naysayers like oh high performing is bad and winning is bad which really not who who doesn't want to be a high performing employee but, but high-performing doesn't mean burnout. It doesn't mean working long hours. High-performing means knowing how to get the best out of yourself, knowing how to, how to get to the best of others. And that includes rest, relaxation, recharge. It includes laughter. It includes all of these things. I've worked on so many high-performing teams and never felt, belted, felt, never felt burnt out. In fact, I worked on, I would say, for three years, You know, we, I worked on a team where it was just nonstop high performance. Now we, we, we built culture properly to begin with. We never stopped challenging ourselves. Were there moments where we worked a bit longer? Yeah. Did I ever feel burned out? Never. there will be people listening to this podcast right now and you'll be like, you know what? I know what you mean. There was this one time we were high performing and I still got to, I still was able to put myself to bed at a reasonable time. I, I never felt overwhelmed. I had one lady said that uh, she thinks it was down to technology and like, well, you know, you know, you kind of got to be, you've got to learn to be disciplined around your technology. If you want to be high performing, you've got to agree how you're going to use it if you're going to be high performing i worked i did a speech last week on on high performing team culture for, for a group and one of the things they asked me to talk about was technology you know and, and technology is one of the things that we need to consider when we're building culture uh, which i'll talk about shortly um i think as well when you when you look at you know when i come back to a manager's clueless at building culture and and, and there also there's also this real lack of understanding that the behavior can reputate, it can, can break the reputation of a of a, a company. Like it literally can. There are stories every week, every week in the media about uh, toxic culture, about bullying, harassment. I, I could give you a list. I might, I might do a blog on this actually um, to give people a, a sense of the scale of this. And, and i you know, for my, my my next book, which is on toxic culture, which the manuscript has to be finished now. I've agreed to deal with the publisher, which is great. It has to be finished at the end of August. Um, You know, I'm getting these stories in my inbox all the time about toxic culture. And you read it and, and it's just a manager or managers. There's a consulting firm in the news right here where managers just make bad decisions. And if they'd have, if they'd have, got the insight on how to build culture and how to uphold culture they may never have made those decisions may never have made those decisions um so you know it's crucially important managers connect people day to day to the culture so executives set the tone for culture but it's a management responsibility to connect people day to day and people expect managers to do that now when I first started work, mentioned this before, there wasn't this expectation of managers. I expected my manager to tell me what I needed to do. Then it was my job to do it. And if I did it, they wouldn't shout. That was pretty much how it used to be. Now, if your company's still like that, you need to change. Because that's not the way that we do business anymore. That's not the way that we work anymore. That's not, that's what, not what employees expect anymore. So what do they expect? So, So how do we clue managers up into culture? right? What are those things that they need to know? Well, you know, firstly, they under, they need to understand kind of what culture is. Now, very few managers understand culture and kind of, it's embarrassing to say this, very few people and culture managers and HR managers understand what culture is. And that's challenge if they're the custodians of it. Now, again, please don't see this as a criticism. It sounds like, all I'm doing is bagging people on this podcast and taking great pleasure in it. I'm not. Um, but if you work in people and culture, geez, you have to learn how, how to build culture. You should be reading every culture book. Like you should be reading all of my books and then some of the other books as well, um, which, are, which are also good. Oh, today's podcast is brought to you by Hubris. Uh, no. So but you should be reading all the culture books. Like every single culture book that's been written, you should be reading them, and making notes. So that you've got this real awareness. It's not enough to have culture in your job title. You need to know what it is. And there are six pillars to culture, right? And the way into any culture is through personality and communication. I've done, a, I've done a whole podcast on the six pillars of culture. I did it recently. So managers got to understand all of that. Personality, communication, purpose and vision, values, behavior, collaboration, innovation. Got to understand the makeup of that and how to bring all of those things together. This is one of the challenges that managers have got. But but hey, you're getting paid to manage people, and your principal job is to motivate them and inspire them every single day. You know that's that's the principal responsibility. The principal responsibilities of a manager. It's not usually explicit on a job description. That it's not usually written down in that way. And you know, it's. you know, for me as a manager, when I first started out as a manager in the late 20s, these are the things that I asked of my boss, you know, as someone who was hired because I was good with people, good with teams. I, I didn't understand how to build a team. We didn't call it culture then, but I didn't understand this thing of teamwork other than my own um, experiences of it. So managers need to understand all of this. They need to be asking, you know, and I've talked in the past. I used to carry a book around with me where I used to write down all these ideas. And and managers, you have to be technically good at your job, but you have to recognize that it's not your job to know all of the detail all of the time anymore. That's not your job. What you need to understand is how to get the best out of people. And you need to under, you need to have enough technical information to be able to ask the right questions at the right time. You have to role model behaviors. Um, But asking the right questions at the right time of other people and then empower them to do the work. I think there's a there's a real struggle here with that. And, and, And because we don't train managers to build culture, there's never this cutoff. There's never this point where managers are like, oh, so it's not my job to know all of the detail anymore. I have to do all of this stuff as well as I. Well, yeah, you do. That's your job as a manager. So what are those essential skills? for 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 I guess building culture. Now I'll um, what I'm gonna do is I'll I'll write this up in a blog as well. Uh although I'll add an extra in the white paper there are nine things. I'll probably do ten things because people like like it to be even. It's one of those things when you write a blog like the ones that are more popular are the one not that I'm looking for popularity, but I do want my stuff to be read because it's research backed and I think it's important. But they like it when it's an even number. Nine things is, you know, 10 things for some reason has more impact. I don't know. Um, So what are the nine things? Well, the first thing is you need to understand what culture is and your role in building it. Sounds obvious, but you need to know what it is so that you can talk about it. And, you know, by understanding what it is, you've then got that frame to be like, okay, so these are the things that I have to do in order to get this kind of performance Right, so you got to have that real understanding of why it's important. What you get? What are the benefits of building a great culture? Why is it worth your time? Why is it worth money? You know, because it costs money to do this, um, not least in people's time. If you take people off site, if you take people away from their job for like half a day to build a team culture, there's a time cost in that. Um, so, so you know, why why is it important to to do so? I think this for me as well. This is important because. What you what you then do as a manager is you insist on it and you insist on the budget for doing it. And not enough people do this. So culture is the foundation for all success. It's been proven. Listen, if you want me to send you the statistics, just drop me an email. I'll send you all of the research, research all of the statistics. I can send you everything, all in my book, all in my book. In, in Culture Fix, I put a list of all of the, re, you know, all of the research but you've then got to be able to take that to your manager and say, I need this money. I need this time to develop these people to get these outcomes. Not enough people do that. They're like, right, and you know, I need some money to develop my people. And they go, right, well, you can't have it. Like, okay, I won't do it. Companies waste so much money they waste so much money and what you need is people with that steely determination to actually get the money that they need to do the right things See some of the best hr managers are the people that go into bat for developing their people um who, who say this is the we need this money to do this thing to get these results So an understanding of what culture is. That's the first thing. The second thing is how to build relationships. You can't ever be a high performing team without relationships between team members. And what you need is a a mix of, you know, you need different people with different ideas. Those people need to be self-aware and they need to be able to challenge each other. All right. So we, you know, managers need to be able to build, build bridges between people, basically. That's tough to do when you've got different people, different personalities, different motivations, different intentions, you know, different attitudes, different mindsets. It's not an easy thing to be able to do. That's the second thing. The third thing is how to communicate effectively. Now, I've done a podcast specifically on that uh, because you have to be able to communicate different messages in different ways. Worked with a a senior leadership group um, a couple of weeks ago and talked about, you know, there's, there's you know, they're, they're looking to bring people back into the office more. And there has, listen, listen, this, I get asked about this all of the time. I've worked with so many leadership teams on this. It has to be handled sensitively. It has to be communicated in a way that people understand the value of it. And then you've got to make sure you don't do any dumb stuff when you do actually bring people back together but it's different communication methods it's not enough to write an email it's not enough to stand up in front of people you have to do you know kind of q and a's you have to do like more formal communications um you know things like you know newsletters and 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 communication a big part of communication is knowing how to listen um once you know how to listen you, you get better at communicating so you know that communication is critically important because as you'll see, it feeds into all of the other things. Not least, the fourth thing is how to set expectations, right? So making it clear what to and and, and these are all these are all individual skills. You know, when I when I teach this as part of the, the the culture first program, each of these is its own module. Okay, so each of these is very specific, and and when you set an expectation, there's a specific way to do it, right? So what's expected in terms of quality interaction with others, uh, behaviors, so that you're never disappointed. As a manager, Brene Brown said this. She said, disappointment is unmet unmet expectations. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely right. But what you want to do is set expectations in the right way so they're never unmet. So there's a specific process to set expectations. It's got to be communicated in the preferences of the other person. The fifth thing is all about feedback. Now, as human beings, we like feedback. It's a basic requirement. We like to be told when we're doing a good job. It doesn't matter whether you're 65 or 25, right? You like to be told you're doing a good job. You also need to be able to provide constructive feedback when people aren't doing a good job. And most people suck at this. Like, they really suck at it. Um, and they'll email or they'll give them the, you know, cold shoulder or, you know, and that's the way that you'll find out. And, you know, think back to when you were an employee. Everyone's had this experience where they're like, I just want to be told if I'm doing a good job or not. What you don't want to do is wait till the end of your six month or 12 month period, you know, your performance review and then find out you, you want to be told. So providing feedback is crucially important. The sixth thing is how to resolve conflict. All of the best teams, all of the high-performing teams have conflict, but it's healthy. It's good for the team, right? What you want is to have disagreements. You want to be able to say, "We'll disagree. hey, we disagree on this, but let's move on. Let's make this decision and move on. Never agree to disagree because you still disagree and you haven't talked about the fact that you disagree. It's all right to disagree. You're never going to agree on anything, but you have to make a decision, back the decision and move forward. All right. At some stage, you've got to be able to draw the line as a manager and say, I've heard everything. We're going left, not right. We're taking the road, not taken. Use a Robert Frost poem. taking the road, not taken. And everyone has to be behind that. They've had their say. We've made the decision. We've got to go that way. Manager's job is to resolve those conflicts. right. And then the flip side of that is they have to, and this is a seventh thing, is they have to make sure that they collaborate effectively all of the time. And collaboration isn't back to back meetings. Collaboration isn't using 10 technology tools. I'll get to that next. Collaboration isn't uh, endless emails. You know, if, if meetings or emails are your biggest problem, I want you to know you can change it overnight. You really, really can. But you have to have the the desire, you have to have the skills to be able to do it. It's the thing every time I run the culture first program, it's the thing that people always want to talk about. I just need less, I need fewer emails and fewer meetings. I'm like, great, let's do that first. (laughs) Let's get to that first. It's really easy, but you have to be disciplined in how you actually do it. The eighth thing is how to use technology to enhance collaboration, not get in the way so so what we need to teach managers and what I teach managers um and I talk about this more in the white paper is is that technology is overwhelming and it needs to be used to your advantage and and it's not hard to do right and part of the exercise I get people to do is to list all of the tools I also get people to turn off their notifications for those tools as well um But you need to know when's the right time to use technology to enhance our our collaboration to to get the results that we're looking for. And then the last thing, the ninth thing, really centers around creativity and carving out time for creativity. Um, Making sure that people understand that, that new ideas are the fuel for consistent high performance. And that's not to say we're changing things all of the time. Absolutely not. But innovation, you know, people will will often call it continual improvement. It's the same thing. Continual improvement is finding ways to be creative, to find solutions to, to things that are broken, to help us to to work together better, to help individuals to get more out of their days. All of these things. So, you know, uh, oh gosh, it's 26 minutes. This is going way quicker than I thought. Um, you know, when you if if you take the time to read the white paper, I really go into this in more detail about why it's important that managers have got the, need these skills right now. It's just not enough anymore. It's not enough anymore to just assume that managers have got the skills. Most managers are clueless when it comes to building team culture, but it's not their fault. I would say in ninety five percent of cases, it's not their fault. Organizations haven't been deliberate enough to give them the skills required and this this you know and you know, I was over in I think I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago I was over in Australia a couple of weeks ago I've been working with this team great client of mine who 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 put so much thought and time and effort and money and all of these things into giving their managers the skills and I actually caught up with one of those managers in North America last week and talked to him and ironically he'd The exercises that we'd set, you know, and we, you know, we, I spent a whole day with them on culture and, you know, this concept of high performance. And when I was talking to him on the whiteboard behind him was all of the actions that we'd set, all of the things. And he was so energized. He wanted to do it. Couldn't wait to go and put the program into action. That's what good looks like. And it's no surprise. If you knew this organization was and, and, and you saw the, the, the growth. You see their engagement scores. They've got a queue of high potential people waiting to join. It's because they not only kind of build something um, that that people want to join, they give their managers the skills to continually involve it, to continually improve it. And all the great organizations around the world, you know, worked with a tech company, same thing. Same thing, we constructed a targeted program on this is the skills that managers need to, to be successful. So, you know, for in 95% of the cases, it's not their fault. What we need to do is make sure within our organizations is we need to make sure that we give managers the skills and then it's up to them to make the decision to lead. Because once you've got the skills, it's manager's job then to go, I am going to apply these skills day to day. Yes, it will be a challenge, but nothing worthwhile. Uh, was ever achieved by me sitting on my hands. I've got to step out of my comfort zone, into my growth zone, put these into action and create an environment where people can flourish. And at that point, managers move from clueless to clued up and you get continual high performance. Hope you've enjoyed today's podcast wherever you are in the world. Uh, have a fantastic day. Turn and out.